my passion to see more of heaven released on earth and um, I think we get language around that now but it's always been a case of I want to see more of Father God doing the stuff that only he can do and uh, he chooses to do it through us which is somewhat amazing and sometimes confusing sometimes it'd be easy if God just did it himself wouldn't it you think yeah <laughs> you'd feel that sometimes you, think, yeah, just, you could just get on with it you could do it do a good job um, but he never chosen to do it that way and uh, so I think it's, it's an extraordinary privilege to be a Christian and get involved in God's purposes and uh, so I was born again when I was 16 and uh, I, had, I, had a, I had a great life really I had a good life you know very stable background successful so and then I found Jesus or Jesus found me really I thought I was finding him but you know what I mean it's discovered him and uh, so he, he I realized that he was greater than anything I'd already got although what I'd already got was really good does that make sense and so and I didn't come out to, to Jesus out of a knowing desperate need I came and discovered I thought wow he's amazing and he's worth following and actually he's worth giving your life for and uh, there's a longer version of that story, but um, and when, I, when I was first born again, it was a year ago, and some of you will be able to equate to this, but books like um, Crossing the Switchblade, Run Baby Run, anybody? They, they were quite influential actually in my journey towards Jesus. Um, but all the Christian books I read in those, those days had people who were in really sort of pretty desperate straits who became Christians, you know. Stab, stabbing people, drugs, murder, this, you know, so, so I thought. So actually I thought I didn't have a great, very great testimony, so I thought, didn't have much to say really, because I never stabbed anybody, <laughs> hadn't murdered anybody, and didn't do, didn't do drugs, um, I thought, well, kind of just normal, <laughs> and, and, uh, got on with life really, and, um, as I, as I went through life, actually, you know what, actually, we all, we all have a great testimony because the testimony is not about how bad I am it's about how great he is and we all have that same testimony that we've all found the pearl of great price so you have a great testimony and the testimony's got nothing to do with how bad you were it's about how great he is and, and once I got hold of that I thought oh yeah I've got a great testimony and um, so uh, and that is my great delight and this is lovely having a, have my son, daughter-in-law and grandchildren in the church here just to see their generation so uh, my granddaughter's eighth birthday so I thought, man, it's just not right it can't be true <laughs> that's not true, it's just not true so, eight, 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 eight years old and uh, she's, she's a great delight as is my grandson but it's great, isn't it, that we are building something um, that will outstrip us that, that's greater than any one individual life or any combination of lives that it's a great privilege to build a world uh, for generations to come and that was actually if you look in Hebrews 11 when it talks about faith it talks about them building things that the other generations would build upon and uh, things that they they didn't see it's our privilege to see a lot of things that that, uh, some amazing people like Elijah didn't see you know Um, I think he saw quite a lot but um, so, so, yeah, I'm just ex- excited. And uh, I've been doing um, a series. Uh, it's, it's, it's 
becoming quite a large series as my brain seems I'm working at it, on uh, equality and difference, what it means that we're all equal in Christ, that we all have the equal value. Jesus paid the same price for every one of us. There wasn't one of us that you know, didn't need the full price paid. And I said, actually, once I came to realise, you know when I said I didn't think I had a great need? I suddenly revised that when I realised that I was actually dead in my sin and dead pretty needy. I didn't realise that at first, you understand? But, uh, 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 and, uh, and all of us actually have that same testimony because it's, um, I wasn't just bad, I was dead. <laughs> so, so, and, and that's true. Every one of us dead in sin and then raised to this, this amazing, amazing new life. And uh, so we're, we're, we're all, all started from an equal place, which is dead. And we're all raised to an equal place, which is seated with him in heavenly places. Jesus paid exactly the same price for every one of us. So, so we, we are equal in him, but we are very different. And that's a unique quality. It's just like, you know, my two grandchildren are definitely very different. Um, love, love them the same, they're very different. How, 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 my, how I interact with them is very different. Uh, so yesterday, Zoe comes around, it's her eighth birthday, she's having a present, so we do stuff like that. What does Sam want to do? He wants to wrestle. Okay. Um, so, so, so how God interacts with us is, is, is actually does differ, and we have different gifts and different abilities. And I've been thinking about this a lot, but actually, as we all play our part, then it all becomes the whole, which is which is a body. And, and I've been I've been trying to wrestle with 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 language of how to um, communicate what I'm, I'm I'm thinking, and it's it's I've been fine. I'm not sure I've managed to to be able to communicate exactly what's going on in the depth of my being. I'm, I'm trying, but I'm, um, I'm working at it. And, and um, I think God gave me something this morning, actually, it was because I'm always asking him to help me communicate. Um, and uh, this morning, during the worship in uh, one of the morning meetings here, I felt God speak to me. And, and uh, it wasn't an unfamiliar theme. Um, it's, he talked to me through uh, rivers. Now, again, that's a very common biblical theme. Um, and... I'm talking about it. I can't remember which context it was recently. I don't, th- don't think it was on a Sunday here, but there was um, some, I think there were BBC documentaries recently of, of great rivers. Did anybody see? There were three rivers. There was the, uh, the Nile, the Mississippi, and the Amazon. Did anybody, have anybody seen those? And basically they, they, they traced how these rivers, these great rivers, um, uh, which, phew, you know, extraordinary. Some travel 4,000 miles and, you know, the statistics of the volume of water in the Amazon are literally staggering. Um, I think it's... <laughs> anyway, I, can't, I, I won't do it because I'll probably get the statistics wrong. But, and um, it's actually how those rivers actually, they actually affect a whole continent. Um, and they've got lots of tributaries on. But actually they go right back to the headwaters. And, and, and you, you saw the headwaters of the Amazon. It's up in the, the Andes where you've got some snow melting. And it's as simple as that. That starts to create a, a river. And these rivers actually are, they call them the arteries, they're the life uh, blood of, of continents. So I've been, I've been meditating on that, so God took me back to that. And, um, and then he basically spoke to me about the River Thames. And I thought, well, that's, that's okay, because it's only about half a mile in that direction, isn't it? So. I don't know how often, we don't often think about ourselves being right by the River Thames, but there are some people who actually live looking over the Thames, aren't they? So the, the Thames is, is really close. 
And um, so I was talking about it, and, and there was, there's been stuff happening um, recently in the Thames. There was a, that um, was it white something or other. Was it, was it, was it came up the river? That was it. It was a bluegum whale, wasn't it? A bluegum whale. I knew it was, I was thinking, what was it? What was it? And um, so I, I, and then I, I, I thought, you know, I, I just felt to, to look up something. And, um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read it to you in a minute. Because we've been looking at things like, um, you know, John 14, verse 12 says, Jesus says, if anyone who has faith in me can do the works of Jesus and even greater works than these. That, that sounds very simple, doesn't it? Anyone who has faith in me can do the works I've been doing and greater works. That, that's a very simple statement, isn't it? So have you got faith in Jesus? Which means you could do the works of Jesus and greater works. Simple? Well, yes. <laughs> but it, it, it really does beg a few questions. You think, well, yes, but what? why... Isn't it happening then? You know, why don't more people get healed? Why don't, why don't we see this? Why don't we see that? And uh, it, it took me a while to come to grips with the, the, that one verse alone. It probably took me about the best part of a year to come to grips with that, that verse um, because I basically had realised I disbelieved it. I knew it was in the Bible, so it has to be true, but I disbelieved it because I didn't think it could possibly be true. Um, and I'd been taught it couldn't possibly be true. No, I believe it's true, and I'm trying to outwork that truth and, and you know, probably, yes, it's almost 12 years on since that started that journey, we see a whole lot more now than we did 12 years ago. So, so we're overcoming some of our unbelief, disbelief. But the next two verses in John 14, verse 13 and 14, both say, have the same idea within it, which Jesus says, you can ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Now that sounds simple as well, doesn't it? Ask anything in my name and I will do it. But... <laughs> There's a massive but there, isn't there? Well, yes, but does it happen? Well, it re- so it's got me on the question, and I, so I'm, this is what I'm really tugging away at in my brain and my spirit. Well, what does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? Because it, it's easy to use the words, but it doesn't mean just say the words. Um, I know, again, when I was... Because I came from a completely non-Christian, non-religious background. We never, I didn't pray at home. Never prayed at home. Never did that. Didn't, no idea what praying was. Um, knew what it was to, to re- recite the Lord's Prayer at, at school every day. But that wasn't praying. That was just saying some words that were up there. So I, I had no, no idea what was praying. But when I became a Christian, I realized that to do a proper prayer, it had to finish in the name of Jesus. Amen. That, that was it, because everybody said it. And also, I, I, I was learning from everybody. So this is discipleship. You go to a prayer meeting, and, and, dirty, dirty, and people praying, and, and, but every one of them finished with, in the name of Jesus, amen. So, so okay, that's, that's how you do this stuff, because I had no idea otherwise. And you think, and I'm sure it's like that. So, but just taking those words on the end doesn't seem to get everything done. Does it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so there's a lot we learn, Christian. So I think, ah, um, hmm. So, I'm, I'm trying to think out, well, I was asking this question last week and I, I, I dealt with a few of the th- things that I'm, I think are reasons. It, it, why doesn't God answer our prayers? Why, why isn't it as simple as, you can ask in the name of Jesus? Or is it that simple? Do you understand? It? What is it that hinders us? What is it that stops us? And I started to look at the, some of the passages in, in the Bible last week that talk about actually what will stop us 
getting the answers we were looking for. And they're there. And I've got at least 13, list of 13 things. And it's very straightforward. You can see it from the Bible. So, um, we looked at three of them last week, didn't we? So, so first one was um, in Galatians. Don't turn to this. Listen to it. It's on the, it's on the podcast if you want it from last week. About in Galatians where it talks about um, sinful nature, the acts of the sinful nature. And it says people like, who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I went on to interpret that. But, but we won't see the kingdom of God fully expressed if we're not careful in the way we live. Um, slightly, uh, sort of, you have to put alongside this, and it can be confusing, is that, that you, if you're double-minded about the grace of God, it says that you won't receive anything. It's in James, chapter, chapter 1. Um, and then, uh, for husbands disrespecting their wives, in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, it says, if we don't treat our wives properly, then our prayers will be hindered. So there are answers in, in, in the Bible as why we're not seeing things. But I want to read something to you, um, and it's about the River Thames, okay? Because I, I felt God stir me to go. And as I came across this today, I thought, I was studying this this afternoon, and I just thought, this is very helpful, okay? So this is, they're so standing... Standing statue still on the shoreline, the heron is almost impossible to spot against the reeds behind it. Only once our boat draws near does the bird stir, flapping its broad grey wings to lift itself into the air. Other smaller birds dart across the skyline before settling in the water, while there is the occasional plop as a fish breaks the surface. It is an idyllic riverside scene that is found in many places throughout the English countryside. The difference on this occasion is this stretch of river sits in the midst of the country's biggest city. We're on the lower banks of the River Thames, in the middle of a large industrial estate at Creekmouth in Barking, London. It was near this spot in 1878 that more than 600 passengers on the steamship Princess Alice died when a pleasure boat sank in a collision. As they swam towards the safety of the shore, the passengers were overcome by the noxious cocktail of pollution in the water. In 1957, 1957, the pollution levels became so bad that the River Thames was declared biologically dead. That's the year before I was born. Biologically dead. The amount of oxygen in the water fell so low that no life could survive and the mud reeked of rotten eggs. So what went wrong? What happened to the river? It's not tricky. Yeah, it got polluted yeah, by various things. Over the course of time, it got polluted. Now, it didn't start like that, and, but, but over the course of time, it, it got polluted. And 50 years later, so this, this, this article was actually written in 2010, so 53 years later, the Thames has become a very different place. It teems with life. 125 species of fish swim beneath its surface, while more than 400 species of invertebrates live in the mud, water, and the riverbanks. Waterfowl, waders, and seabirds feed off the rich pickings in the water, while seals, dolphins, and even otters are regularly spotted between the riverbanks where it meanders through London. Environmental officials now say the Thames is the cleanest it has been in more than 150 years. And nearly 400 habitats have now been created to allow wildlife back into the river. Now, this is important. So 
400 habitats have now been created to allow wildlife back into the river. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. <clears throat> back in Barkin, the evidence of this recolonisation of the Thames is all around. The water itself still looks murky due to the large amounts of silt and mud the water carries downstream, but it now supports a huge diversity of fish. If you're a fisherman, you'll understand this stuff. I'm not a fisherman, so it doesn't make a lot of difference to me. Juvenile sea bass, until recently never seen before in the Thames, now fill the creeks that feed into the Thames, while flounder, a flatfish, have returned in ever-growing numbers. Adult salmon have even been reported migrating up the river. Now, I didn't know that, did you? Ever thought that Thames is a salmon river? No, I, I lived in this area for pretty much all my life. You'd never think of the Thames as a salmon river, would you? Particularly if you come from Scotland. They have great salmon rivers up there. Above the water, too, there are signs of how life has taken hold again. <laughs> Crouching but among the, the reeds beneath barking de- barrier is Dennis Ellisden, a 72-year-old retired marine surveyor and avid bird watcher. He has been coming to the area a short drive from his home in Bredbury Station for 11 years and has spent the morning searching for a pair of peregrine falcons that have been reported nesting in the area. You often get kingfishers and a lot of wader birds when the tide is out, he said. There are also a lot of migrating birds that stop here now, like red starts. That was a big surprise. I seldom go out without getting a bit of a surprise. You can hear the clank of metal from the scrapyards nearby and the planes at City Airport, so it's not necessarily a haven of peace and quiet, but it is definitely a wildlife haven. Rare species of wildlife are also making surprise appearances. Water voles are critically endangered across much of the country. But at Thamesmead, now Thamesmead doesn't have a great reputation, does it? But at Thamesmead, just a mile upstream from Barking, the tiny aquatic creatures are thriving. Regular flashes of blue and green can also be seen on many stretches of the river, such as by Dartford Creek. Woohoo! Dartford Creek. (laughs) Nearby. Revealing the presence of kingfishers in surprising numbers. Others have also set up home in several areas along the river, while seals, more normally seen on the coastline than in rivers, are regularly spotted, hauled out onto the banks after a good meal. Dolphins also often swim up the river. Even one of the most fragile and rare sea creatures, the seahorse, have been found in the saline waters of the Thames estuary. Isn't that amazing? Much of the return of wildlife to the Thames has been due to improvements in water quality. Strict legislation now prevents industry from dumping polluted effluent into the river and its tributaries. Sewage from London and the surrounding area is now treated and then exported. Improving the water quality is only half of the battle, though, explains Antonia Scar. We have had to create the habitats to allow the plants, fish and wildlife to move into. Now, that, that I want to come back to. So not only have they made the water clear, but they've had to make spaces where that water can actually do what it's meant to do. What else I want to say? Basically it goes on to say, but basically they've worked really hard at creating habitats in places where there's just been rubble and concrete and stuff like that. Even on the smaller rivers and streams that feed into the Thames, there is a transformation underway. In Greenwich and Lewisham, extensive work is underway to re-naturalise rivers that for decades have passed unnoticed beneath residents' feet. During the 1960s and 1970s, extensive work was undertaken to help prevent rivers from flooding into the surrounding neighbourhoods, and many were simply diverted into underground tunnels. It goes on and on. So, what, what do you think grabbed my attention when I was 
reading that? Uh, wildlife habitats. Yep. But in 1957, it was biologically dead. No, no life flung it. Why? Because it was contaminated. And it didn't start like that, but it became contaminated. Now, have you got a river inside you? River of the Holy Spirit, yeah? I've got a river inside me. Have we got a river? Have we got a common river? Equal river. Have you got the Holy Spirit inside you? Same one as I've got inside me. How about that? Is he pure? So have you got a pure source of heaven inside you? So is, is, is the potential for heaven to be fully expressed already within you? Okay, now you're starting to work out where I'm going. What will stop that potential being realized as it flows? If you think of the river flows. So the source is pure. What does it have to flow through to be expressed and bring life to the world? Well, the answer is me and us. It has to, it has to flow through the reality of my being in order to create life. And again, in Ezekiel, it talks about where the river flows, there is life, the healing of the nations. So as I was, I was meditating upon that, I just thought, actually, this is a really helpful picture because we can say, well, you know, <clears throat> the potential is anyone who has faith in Jesus can do the works of Jesus and greater works. The potential is that in the name of Jesus... I can ask for anything and it will happen. The potential is also that that can become so contaminated that it becomes spiritually dead. <laughs> and if you look at the history of the nation of Israel, you can see that, that you know, God gives them restarts time and time again. And it gets to a point, this is so spiritually dead, we'll have to do something drastic about it. Exile, 70 years, come back. Another start. Yep. And if you lived in London, I would suggest if you lived in London between, uh, say, early 1900s and 1957, pollution was normal. My, my mum and dad grew up in London at that time. And my mum used to talk about the smogs. The smog, I don't know if it's but and, and I guess the smell of the River Thames would have become normal. That's what, what we would adopt that to as, this is how it is, it's normal. Didn't, familiar, didn't know any different. This is, this is, the Thames is that. It's not meant to be that. But actually, um, so the question I'm asking is, is how much have we allowed our river to become contaminated so that when it overflows, it's not actually bringing heaven with it? What do you think? Would that be worth examining? 
Well, that's what I'm trying to examine. <laughs> so that's the best picture. I, this, I think this, that's what I'm trying to examine is, is actually, I know that I have a source inside me <coughs> that is pure. He's the Holy Spirit. And also know that my, when my spirit has been made new. My, 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 my being is a spiritual being. I am a spiritual being. So I am, in that sense, perfect in my spirit because it's that, and that's where spiritual communion goes in. But, but that has to be filtered through or flows through my mind and my body, my actions, my soul, my emotions. And it's those things that can potentially contaminate. Now, Say, just follow this picture with me. Say you've got a river flowing, and it's the main river, and it's pure. And it's flowing off towards the sea, and then a tributary comes in, and just up, up by this, you know, on the banks of this tributary, they build a factory which pollutes the tributary. What gets contaminated? The river. Oh, that's not fair. No, this is how it works, because we all actually flow together to be one thing. So what you do matters to the whole. You say, well, it doesn't matter. It does. No, because the question with the gospel is it's so good, it's so full of grace, it says, oh, that means I can do what I like then. Well, you can you could choose to contaminate the whole river. But we don't want that. If, so because that is quite, it's quite clear that, that that will not produce heaven or not. You with me? So, how much darkness did Jesus have within him? None. He said, actually, it's quite clear that, that actually in him there is no darkness. Uncontaminated light. It says the devil had no part in him. The scriptures had no holding. There was none of, none of if you like, no, no demonic activity was expressed through Jesus. That's what perfect heaven on earth looks like. So I would suggest we're starting to get some idea that what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Was he tempted? Yeah. Temptation is not contamination. Quite an important statement, okay? Temptation is not contamination. It's when you put it into action it becomes contamination. When, when, when thoughts, lies, things, once they take root, yeah, then that becomes contamination. But, but temptation is not contamination. And because I know some people who, who basically um, temptation can hit them. Temptation hits your thought life, okay? And then you think, oh, I'm a terrible person. I had this thought. No, it's a, probably a temptation. But then you go down the road of I'm a terrible person and I'm horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. So what have you just done? You just polluted yourself. <laughs> Do you understand? So, so <clears throat> being clear about that sort of thing is good. So, so I want to read now. We're going to go. Let's have a look. Oops, flicking back up my notes. These notes are long in this this uh, thing now. Um, 
Can we bring up James chapter 3? There we go. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, contaminated. For where you have envy envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. That sort of wisdom is is a contamination. And I don't want to take too long tonight, just because I really want to leave you with this. But I want to tell you a story that that just illustrates this from my own life. And it was an extraordinary day. It was a day when I was in Mexico. And this story can be very much abbreviated, but if you want to read in full, then... It's the first chapter of my book, okay? And um, first chapter. So and many of you will know it, but I, I want to just use it as an illustration. Um, I was in Mexico, in a very remote part of Mexico, and cutting this long story short, I was taken to see a young lad um, who for 10 years had been quadriplegic, paralyzed in arms and legs. And uh, we prayed for him, and God told me things to do which I obeyed, and as we did that, he actually was healed and he got his arms and his legs back and walked out the door as I placed his feet on the ground. Woo, what could he do? Yeah, that, that, was, that was good. That was good. Seriously, that was very good. It was much, much rejoicing, tears, you know, astonishment. You know, we were amazed. <laughs> did, did you really? What? Yeah. Imagine that. Nothing for ten years. No. And then... Walking. That's heaven on earth. That was, that was praying in the name of Jesus. Now it felt good. Felt really good. Felt kind of special. Pretty special Christian, I felt. And uh, so in the afternoon, I was doing a clinic for lots of people. And in this clinic, uh, there was this, this little girl who was about 18 months old who had uh, amoebic dysentery. Um, and was quite dehydrated at that stage, and we didn't have the, there was not the medical facilities there to save her life medically, um, but I, you know, seen amazing miracle that morning, and expected more. We prayed, and nothing happened, and we had to send the mum off with a little girl, and my full expectation was that, that she was going to die that day, which wasn't fun. Um, that evening, I was preaching in the little chapel, um, at this sort of mission station and the, uh, I, I finished preaching and I, I told the story of this amazing miracle we'd had in the morning and we're going to pray for anybody who's sick and with that I saw this mum with, with uh, uh, the little child, the 18 month old girl just lying in a lifeless form across her, her knee so I went across and basically the, the baby was effectively dead she was just having her, what's called the death rattle, chain stoke breathing, completely unresponsive, gone. And, and so I thought, well, you know, we're pretty good at this, this miracle arc. We can do this miracle arc. <laughs> and um, saw one this morning, time for another one. Prayed, nothing. 20 minutes, nothing. Half an hour, nothing. And at that point, I cracked <laughs> and walked away uh, extremely angry with God, disgusted with him, to be honest. I'm being honest with you. <clears throat> because I could not work out why I would see a miracle like that in the morning and a baby died while I prayed 
or having prayed for it, in the afternoon. So I walked away extremely upset, distressed, and extremely unhappy with God, and telling him of my displeasure. <laughs> you don't go through something like that and it not affect you emotionally, okay? And there's a, there's a big lesson. If you want to see miracles, you need to pay the emotional price for it. But, um, and and in, this, in my ranting and raving, um, God managed to get through with a whisper. He often does. You notice that? that, that you know, he doesn't rant and rave back at you normally. He, he, he's, 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 a, he's a bit more subtle than that. And, and this whisper, whisper came into my conscience, or consciousness really. I don't know how he got... I honestly still can't work out how he got through my ranting and raving because... That was a miracle in itself. And he whispered through the, the, the most stupid question that you could ever ask, which was, Pete, why are you praying? And I thought, and I said, that is the most stupid question. What do you mean, why are you praying? It's pretty obvious. And it was like, duh, you know. <laughs> it really, it, it could, could not get much more obvious, could it? You know, what, as, if the, if you, as if you can't see the problem. Why am I praying? <laughs> and... Um, and then it hit me, and it was just, and I know it's the Holy Spirit, he just hit me with, with the truth. He will lead you into all truth, even if it's very painful and uncomfortable. Because what, what, what had been going in my brain since the morning was actually, I've got a great story to tell. When I get back home, I'll be telling them to talk of this, and then I was ready for another one, and how amazing I was going to look in the Christian eyes of everybody. And... and I just, I suddenly realized I, I was not praying for that little girl. I was praying for my benefit. I, had, I wasn't praying because I loved this little kitty. I was praying because I loved myself and my reputation. Uh-huh. And I absolutely broke. I went from ranting and raving at God to being so ashamed of myself and desperately sad. And responsible for this baby dying. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so that, it was a pretty big change around within a few seconds, to be honest, and that was... I didn't know what to do with myself. <clears throat> and a strange thing happened. And, it, again, it, it's amazing how God can get through to you <laughs> in all sorts of ways, because having whispered to me... and. The question, see, I never did answer his question. He answered, he answered the question for me, really. And as this, this, this realization rushed into my, my consciousness, and I was weeping, probably a couple of minutes later, I had this extraordinary infilling of the Holy Spirit, which I, I could not explain to you. And it's, it was compassion. And he gave me a love for this little girl that was literally unearthly. And he gave me, I'm, I, I describe, he gave me a piece of his heart. And this little kitty was no longer an opportunity for a great story. She was a little child to be loved. And I suddenly loved her as if she was my own. I, Two kids at that stage, she might as well have been the third one. That was that was how. The, I couldn't, and it, this all happened within a few minutes. This was it was an extraordinary feeling of compassion, and and that made it worse. 
It didn't make, seriously, it didn't, it didn't make it better. It made my, my feelings worse because of the loss. Yeah? Now once that gripped me, God said, okay, Pete, now you're ready to go back. So I thought, okay. Went back over. And then as I was walking back, it wasn't, wasn't a long distance. It's amazing what God can get done in a short space of time. As I walked back, he said to me, what I want you to do, I want you, I want you to ask the mother uh, to put the child to her breast and feed it. Now, that, that, that might sound straightforward and easy to you, but that, that child was dead. And that's macabre. That's not, that's not, that's not a, oh yeah, no, that's a, yeah. It is, you know, you just, you do that, that is, it's quite, it's, I don't know how to describe it really, but it's not, it's not a pleasant thought. So, well, I better obey. He's got me this far, and I'm not going to trust myself very much more at the moment. So I, I said to the mum, through translation, Will you please feed your baby? Effectively. It was a dead baby. You're not going to feed a dead baby. But she did. She put a child first, and the child does fell off lifeless. And I got my car, she said, Please do it again. And she put the child to the breast, the child started to feed, and ten minutes later she was completely normal. That's heaven being expressed on earth. Who got in the way? Me. See, what did I allow to come in to my, my river to contaminate it in such a way that in the morning heaven had been clearly expressed and here it was not going to be clearly expressed? Just, can you bring that passage up again? Uh, yeah. What was it that, that I allowed into my heart? Selfish ambition. I got contaminated very, very quickly. And when it talks about it, it says, you'll find disorder in every evil practice. That will not reproduce heaven on earth. And it's probably the clearest illustration I can give you from my own life of, of when I got it extraordinarily badly wrong. And God, in his graciousness and his loving kindness, towards the world, not just towards me, said it right in an instant. He turned me around very, very quickly in my most desperate state. I don't think I've ever been as cross with God in my life <laughs> till that moment in time. And then he did something extraordinary. And what the Bible says that if you're caught in sin, if you're sinning, Confess your sins or repent, which is what I was, I was completely undone and, and, you know, and I would have done anything to turn that situation around, but, but thinking I couldn't. And then he says this, it's in 1 John 1 verse 9. He is faithful and just and will forgive, forgive your sin, but not just that, and purify you from all unrighteousness. What did he do? He purified my river. 
instantly. It's amazing. And what I vowed to God that day was, was that, that I didn't, I chose not to understand, get the right, it's difficult to get the right words, not to care if that story was never told of the little girl. Now, what is strange is probably the story that is more told than any other and is the first story in my book and is actually known throughout the world now. But the one thing I can tell you is I could never lead you to that little girl because I chose not to find her name. I never know what her name is. You know, I could go back to that part of Mexico. I would not know how to find her. And that's fine for me because I don't need that. Make sense? So it's a strange, it's a strange juxtaposition of this because I, like I said, God, and so I, I very, very deliberately don't know her name. Because she's not meant to be a trophy cabinet in my testimony. Trophy in my testimony cabinet. She's a, a, a young lady now, probably mid-twenties, hopefully enjoying an extraordinary life that God has given her. And we have life to give away. We really do have life to give away. But we have to be really rigorous with ourselves to throw off, it says, the Bible says, to throw off anything that hinders us. Not just sin, anything that hinders us. And there's, there's a verse, and I'm, I'll probably fin- finish with this. It says this. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says this. I didn't tell you about it, so don't worry. That's my mistake. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify, purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Perfecting holiness. And so if I ask you, would you like to see more of heaven expressed through your life? It's a very simple question, and it's a very simple answer. But, yeah, well, if you've got faith, it'll happen. But it's a bit more complex than that. The complexity is not, not, not the possibility of heaven. It, it's the contamination that we allow to come in to our own lives and our corporate lives that we normalize, if you like. You know, I remember, I remember growing up, you know, I was born 1958, you know, around this area, River Thames there. And as far as, I, as far as I knew, the River Thames was dead to wildlife. That was normal. Yeah? Now it's not. I would suggest to you that, 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 that healing is something that we are battling to restore as part of the river of heaven. And sometimes you might say, well, why don't we see more people healed? My, su- my suggestion to you is that we've still got quite a lot of contamination in our river. Lies, selfish ambition, jealousy, unbelief. Remember in Nazareth, how many, how, many, how many miracles could Jesus do in Nazareth? Very few. Why? Because of their unbelief. And we have to, we have to be really determined about getting rid of unbelief. How determined do you think, how much of a combined effort do you think it's been to get the River Thames to where it is now? Huge. Complete community effort. Yeah? Complete community effort. I honestly believe, and this is something I've been meditating on, and 
Jesus talked, when, when the disciples came to him and said, why couldn't we do this? He's, he says, oh, perverse generation. Perverse, unbelieving generation. He didn't just aim it, the, the, the fault at one particular person. He said, this is a problem of this generation. Unbelief. And I would suggest that we face similar challenges of unbelief. And we can, I'm, I'm delighted in what we, the ground we've gained. And, but I don't think we've got the river back to its full potential yet. And that's my determination. And I'd like you to stand with me and be determined towards that, okay? Would you like more of heaven expressed on earth? Would you like the river, the flow, uncontaminated? I believe it's going to take us as a community effort to do this. No one person is going to be able to get that river completely clean on their own. Not, not even two. We'll all have to take responsibility for this river that God has entrusted to us. But Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit inside us. Thank you that we have the purest source available inside of us. Holy Spirit, you are the pure, you are the Holy One, and you live in us. Thank you that we are new creations. And Holy Spirit, I ask you now to fall upon us again. Now, what what I'm not suggesting you do is try and trawl through your conscience to find the stuff that might be contaminated. It's not going to be very productive, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to shine his light into your life right now and lead you into all truth to enlighten you. And then I want you, whatever he shows you, to... Right, to, to eliminate that from your life through a decision, through repentance. And as you do that, just as he did with me, he, he's, wow! his light will flood into you and he will purify you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us right now? Ellis, what were the two words you had in particular? Shame. Shame and regret, okay? Sometimes we don't think of those as, as, as contaminants. Regret and shame. Wow. Well, we pray, would you purify us from these things, that we would not live with regret, we would not live with shame, that these things would not flow through our lives. I pray that you would purify us from the power of disappointment and discouragement. Wow! We ask that you would purify us from the effects of fear and anxiety in our lives. I pray that you would purify us from any accusations that have landed in our souls. And have attached themselves. I can see this like they got, it's like arrows that have gone in with a barb on them. People have made accusations against you. It might be people, it might be the devil, but actually accusations have come against you 
and they're like barbs in your soul. Father, I release those now. <clears throat> Set you free in the name of Jesus. And Father, any frustrations, any places where we are frustrated, and I pray right now, we, we inject hope into that. We pray that we would have hope that beyond, goes beyond all measure. And together we want to flow with the river of heaven into the world around us, creating life in all its fullness. Amen.